So I don't think I ever asked you this, David. Who are you? Do you even root for a football team outside of college? Uh, usually the Chargers. The Chargers? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, what is their season like this year? I know they Rivers uh, moved over to the Colts and then he retired. So they got a new quarterback for the Chargers now. Have Herbert. you? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So do you know how they're doing? Um, I think they're at the top of uh, their division. Ooh. Because I know, as it sits right now for my division, Arizona's sitting number one, and I think Niners are, no, either Niners or L.A. are sitting number two, and the Niners or L.A. are third, and then Seahawks are fourth. Um, But I was so mad. I was so pissed when the Seahawks won quite a few weeks ago. Oh, man. We should have easily won that game, even without some of our key players. We should have easily won that game, but whatever. Yeah, because right now Chargers are uh, killing the Giants, thirty to seven. Ooh, let me. And s- Chargers, Chargers are seven and five right now. So if they win this, they're going to be eight and five. Yeah. So as it sits right now, my old lady gave me an update that the Niners are up on points. So, so the Chiefs are nine and four, and then the Chargers are seven and five. Mm, okay. So the Chiefs are at the top, but after today, it'll be eight and five. And then potentially, if the Chiefs lose, they'll be tied. Yeah. Which, surprisingly enough, the Chiefs are not doing that great this year. Mahomes is having some issues, which I'm actually quite well. I wouldn't say I'm surprised, but sometimes great quarterbacks like that have an off year. And I think this is going to be one of those years. Because if anything, it would be nice to dethrone uh, Brady and have a new goat in place, but that's going to be another 10 or so years down the road. Yeah, because uh, the Cardinals are doing really good, mm-hmm. which is surprisingly, and then the Cowboys have been crazy good. Which is very surprising, because Dak Prescott is really a shit quarterback. And then you have the classic Packers are on top, and then yeah, the Buccaneers are on top. Saints yeah. have been dropping. Yeah, because they the don't have Drew Brees anymore. Did you hear that Roethlisberger is possibly going up for trade or either retiring after the season? Yeah, he should definitely just retire. Yeah. The one thing I do miss, though, I miss seeing actual pocket-passing quarterbacks. I'm really getting sick and tired of seeing a bunch of these running RPO-type quarterbacks getting in the league i think they need to stop drafting those quarterbacks and start drafting more of the drop back and passing type quarterbacks because i think more talent has been made if you can thread that needle versus some quarterback running 20 yards to get a first down that's just my opinion right but you ready to start the show yeah go for it all right all right everybody thank you so much for tuning in to us my name is shane and i'm david And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about stones. What's marking on the shadows? Your bed. This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss their random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. So on the last season of the BRP podcast, we had a couple of episodes where we went in depth about stones and cleansings and all that good jazz. This episode, we're going to give you more or less an update on some of the things that we have obtained. Now, the biggest thing is um, I've actually learned about this. You'll want to actually have some stones with you while you travel. And you can call these your traveling stones, but essentially you'll want to get like pocket stones. Yeah, pocket stones, basically. So a piece of selenite, 
piece of black obsidian, some red carnelian, some rose quartz, and I actually threw in something else. Is it amethyst? No, actually. Larmar. Oh, ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Larmar and Moldavite were my two stones that I was actively seeking out. Obviously, Moldavite is one of the hardest ones to find, let alone being able to afford it. Uh, that is by far one of my most expensive stones, but we'll get to that one. But the five stones that I picked for traveling, with the help and guidance of a few of my buddies like Tim and Brandy and a few other people, I find that this works best for me. If you ever need protection when you're traveling, especially if you're going quite a few miles and you're going through different areas and, and counties and states and stuff like that, it's always good to keep some pocket stones with you. Uh, my selection, obviously, is a piece of selenite, black obsidian, rose quartz, red carnelian, and larmar for my particular bag, and it seems to work pretty good. With the combination of those five stones, it does a very good job of protecting you as long as you do your upkeep on the cleansing on them and everything like that. Obviously, a uh, piece of selenite is a good cleanser for all stones anyway, but it's always good to take it that two steps forward and, you know, cleanse it with actual salt and recharge them out in the sun or the moonlight, however you want to do it. But I mainly wanted to talk about that and the two new stones that I have recently obtained for investigations, cleansings, attachment pullings, and stuff like that. Now, the one, the first stone that I got that I wanted to give you guys an update on was Larimar. Now, Larimar is a beautiful, beautiful specimen of a stone. It's white with like a baby blue color. So Larimar definitely has some... Uh, protection properties, but Larimar is a rare blue variety of a silicate material, pecolite, uh, found only in the Dominican Republic, in the Caribbean. The coloration varies from white, light blue, green blue, and a deep blue. The ones that I have seen have had the um, light blue and deep blue and white. I have not seen the greenish blue yet. But it's definitely a very, very beautiful stone. Now, some of the uh, protection properties of it. David, do you want to fill them in? Yeah, so Larimar, it's uh, to enlighten and heal in a physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual way. It helps with like the third eye and crown chakras. Uh, it's helped for facilitating inner wisdom and other manifestations. Uh, it represents peace and clarity. It's a really loving energy uh, type of stone, and it's also helpful for uh, breaking down walls one builds up around the heart for defense, and allows uh, an emotional clearing release of deep emotional uh, patterns uh, in your in your energy. But I've also read that Larimar helps with people with uh, spiritual gifts, uh, that it, it helps them uh, not so much like manifesting their gifts but like because like it's a protectural stone but it also helps in like amplifying uh their gifts in a safer way uh it's a very rare stone it's one of the expensive stones uh, that you can get i mean i just got one i don't have it yet it's a christmas gift yes i know what it is uh it's a ring that uh it's a silver banded ring that's got larimar uh on it on the front of it in it and then there's like a bit of wood next to it too that uh lines the the side of it and i'm really excited for it to wear it all the time mm -hmm. but uh larimar is uh definitely one of my favorite stones that i've been wanting to get for a very long time mm -hmm. and shane's piece of larimar that he got was definitely uh i don't know if you want to call it lucky or uh destiny that he needed to get it because mm -hmm. when he got it it was like super cheap than what it was mm -hmm. and so i was like well that means you were meant to have it because it was basically given to you so to speak and you just knew you had to have it yeah 
So I technically have three pieces. My biggest piece that I actually keep with my traveling stones, it's a beautiful specimen. I'll take a picture of it and I'll share it with you guys. Um, it definitely has some interesting features of it. It's got the light blue. I would say maybe has a little bit of green in there, but definitely more blue and white and it definitely has some other uh, discolorations, some unique features of it. Um, and then my two other ones stay constantly in my cleansing kit because it's one of those stones that I have with me when I do cleansings and everything like that, so that way it keeps me protected. And uh, I can't wait to see the one that David has because having it with him at all times will definitely help him out on that aspect as well. It's just, a, it's a gorgeous stone, nonetheless. I think everybody should invest in getting a piece of Larmar if they can. I, uh, last time I checked, I know Wandering Stones here in Utah sells them. Which, another thing too, if you haven't been to Wandering Stones yet, I would definitely go check them out. Now that they moved into their new location and everything, uh, they've been sending out some pretty good coupons. So you can actually save some coin there if you go shop at... Shop at wandering stones but i don't know if bryson's or any of the other stone shops actually have them um bryson's does they just have it in jewelry form i don't think they have oh. any like raw pieces or polished pieces outside of jewelry they uh -huh. do have some jewelry ones they just don't have any in Sadie's size oh, okay okay yeah because uh two of them that i picked up it's probably at the gem fair wasn't it the two that i picked up i think Probably, yeah, because yeah. the only other one was in, uh, in lava. lava. Yeah, and that one I got it for a steal of a deal, so I'm not complaining about that at all. Moldavite is my next piece of, a, of stone that I've uh, recently obtained. Now, this one's a controversial piece. Yes. In the community. So, Moldavite is a very interesting specimen. It's an olive green it's it's a type of it's a, like an olive green type look to it it has like an opaque so it's a dark olive green or a blue green color you can find them in both varieties i have both of them in both of those varieties uh, i think in total i have like what three pieces of moldavite now um i bought two of them at the gem expo that was here in utah and then I bought the third piece in, at Synchronicities here in Sandy, Utah uh, for a pretty, pretty good deal. Now, there are a lot of healing, protection, physical properties, basically metaphys metaphysical, chakra, stuff like that. Basically, I use this stone for cleansings, atta pulling attachments, stuff like that. That's what I've been basically wanting to to use this for. But there is a there's a whole definition behind the Moldavite meeting. Now, if you've never heard of Moldavite, Moldavite before, it is a very very expensive stone. At the gem fair, so people were selling them for I think it was 50 to 100 dollars an ounce or something like that. It was some outrageous amount, and apparently it's like one of those um, exotic stones that people want to use nowadays. So, of course, the, the the value of that stone definitely increased because of that. But I would say probably three years ago, no one has have ever heard of this particular stone. And now, within the last year and a half, it has been a well-desired stone that people want which is quite weird. Well, yeah, well, because what it is, Moldavite, really, um, it's like an enhancer, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of those things that it's just, it's got so much of a high energy vibration, so to some people, it can uh, give them bad feelings when they have it just because of the how high the sensitivity of it of it is. And not mm -hmm. a lot of people are, you know, acclimated to that type of feeling before, mm -hmm. so they get a sense of uh, it doesn't feel right to them. But then you also have some people that, you know, when they say they have wear Moldavite or use Moldavite, bad things happen in their life. And it's just because potentially with the fact of that is, is it is enhancing what is already present in your life. Yeah. So if your life is already going down the tube and you add Moldavite to it, it might make it worse because your life is already like having some hardships. 
Mm-hmm. It's one of those stones that it's harder to add Moldavite into an already negative environment because of the vibrations. It will unbalance everything a lot more. So if you're already in a balanced uh, state of mind, Moldavite can help you increase that ability. Definitely. And I mean, it's it's a, it's a stone of transformation. Uh, basically, it helps with it has healing properties, it has physical properties, it has mental and emotional healing, metaphysical properties, chakra properties, and protection properties. It also works well with certain zodiac signs as well. Basically, I primarily use it to for investigations, cleansings, attachment pulling, and everything like that. And I've noticed that this particular stone helps me pull those attachments a lot easier and it helps me do more more in-depth cleansing a lot better with combination of the Laramar and um, Amethyst and Black Obsidian and Selenite and some of the other stones that I also carry around with me while I do uh, my cleansings and attachment pulling. So it's it's really it's a good stone to have around but it's expensive very expensive i'll take pictures of the stones that uh, we are talking about and we'll post them up in the group page so that way you guys can see it but it's definitely i wouldn't say it's the prettiest stone out there it's definitely i would say if i didn't need it i probably wouldn't buy it personally but where i needed it i had to buy it and so i had to drop a pretty coin on three pieces of it so that way I can have it in my arsenal I would say Larmar is definitely a lot more prettier than Moldavite is but apparently people love the look of Moldavite and it's the new craze these days it's in jewelry it's in a wide variety of different things and it is expensive and I've seen some big pieces of Moldavite too like I've seen some good honking pieces of Moldavite and it's different it's it's definitely interesting nonetheless uh the way that it looks and the way that it feels and everything like that like i'm kind of like a touchy-feely person so like my favorite feeling in the entire world is calcite i think calcite has the best feeling on the hands personally um i have a couple pieces of honeycombs calcite that's mined here in utah um on my work desk that i constantly uh play around with in my hands and everything because it's just it's a satisfying feeling knowing that you can rub something that has quite a few different types of feelings to it but it's relaxing at the same time I don't know it's hard it's hard to explain people that usually have like palm stones and thumb stones and everything like that they would know exactly what I'm talking about but it's just it's the feeling you know what I mean David yeah, honeycomb calcite is one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, definitely in my top top five um, for stones that I have, and I really like love them. And there's even uh, abilities to make uh, them out of lamps that I'm starting to really like to hollow it out and stuff. Yeah, it's just one of the coolest things in the world. But it is on the softer end, I think. Like, it's one of those stones that it's hard to carve, but. I'm really, I'm really loving honeycomb calcite, and that's actually the biggest thing that I'm trying to transition to. Speaking of, is a uh, more carved, uh, based stones. Because I mean, I got the spheres, you know, I got the eggs, I got the pointers. I'm starting to get into more stones that are, you know, shapes of stuff. Yeah. Because I have like a milky quartz stone, and it's literally a French bulldog. Ooh. And it's like one of my, <laughs> I freaking love that piece. I love it. And I'm just starting to get stuff like apples and just more stuff that's shaped. You yeah. know, I, th- I have like a Christmas tree. I have a snowman, more festive stuff. I'm just, and that's becoming, I think, more popular too, is uh, stones that are into shapes. I think that's becoming the new trend right now. Yeah. Uh, that well is growing. And I'm just at the tail end, the, the front of it, uh, leading the way because I'm really loving stuff. I used to have a fluorite snake until I lost it. Hmm. And I lost it in my room somehow, but it's never been found. That's weird. Yeah, because I know, because between David and I, I mean, I have my collection and he has his collection. And I have my collection basically stored away, labeled and everything like that. I still need to put all my new stones away because I did get some beautiful specimens like a smoky citrine and 
some other uh, beautiful specimens. Oh, like that dragonfly opal. Oh my god, that thing was gorgeous. Um, but yeah, he he likes to display his, and I really don't have the room to display mine, so mine are in its own organized containers and everything like that. But David has such a, a collection of stones. Now it's to the point where he doesn't need to get more of the same stones, so now he's changed his variety up to getting the shaped stones and some of the stones that he's gotten like owl and cat and a snowman and some of the other ones as well and it's pretty cool that people can actually carve different shapes into these particular stones particularly the stones that have like healing and and metaphysical properties which is frankly pretty cool yeah, I love all these uh, shape stones. We also have a shrine dedicated to everything rhodonite. Like, I have a rhodonite crow. That's really awesome. Uh, I have a uh, blue opalite smurf, which is pretty cool. And then a obsidian venom head, where it looks like venom. And I it's love like that all one. All black obsidian. And it's just it's just really cool because it's like, well, I have all these stones already, but because they're in the shape of something, it just adds more of a rarity and variety to it you know that like it's different now because it's in the shape of something oh yeah that i'm really just my kick is on because i pretty much have so much stones that it just becomes i end up just purchasing the same type of stones but it's like well i already have one however there is one stone that we both got was some oh the labradorite yeah labradorite yeah didn't you uh didn't you buy that didn't you buy that snake or lizard or whatever that had the purple flash at the Idaho State Fair? Or did I give you a piece that had purple on it? Well, yeah, I have I have pretty much every type of Labradorite flash there is. I have the sunset with the orange. Uh, I got some of the purple, and then I have the classic blue and green Labradorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I pretty much have every type of Labradorite there is. Yeah, because I finally was able to obtain a purple piece now. So now I have sunset, I have all blue, I have an all green, I have the purple. And now, and I also have a few that are the mixed color, you know, flash as well. But purple was the one that I was gunning for, and I finally got one. So, Yeah, I love Labradorite. That's, oh that's, yeah, Labradorite is a gorgeous stone. It is awesome. But you know what I've noticed that a lot of people are doing these days? Hmm. They're uh, doing that Aurora Quartz on stones. Yeah, the man-made Aurora Quartz. Yeah, so pretty much you get a stone. It's a stone, right? So, like, for example, because I I have some because they're cool as shit. Uh, I have a a Tiger's Eye Sphere one, and I have a... um, uh, What's that white stone called that you like? Uh, Howlite. Howlite. So I have a Howlite. But what that does, that it has a, a like a rainbow aura effect that uh, surrounds it, so it gives it a little bit more color. Uh, I mean, that is a man-made yeah. thing, yeah. But it's it, it adds something different to it. That's becoming a big trend too. That everything's getting this aurora quartz uh, type of stones. Yeah. But they're still really cool as hell. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. It's just a. I just don't like the man-made aspect of it. You know, the aurora part of it, but. It's a definitely a gorgeous stone. It's not like I have one or two pieces that are man-made anyway with the Aurora uh, part of it. But what was that stone you were talking to, to me about the other day where females use it to regulate stuff? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yeah, because mm. I was on a crystal group on Facebook, and I came around this uh, this thing of someone asking about these. Um they're it's like a weird word like yoni or yongi Mm -hmm. it's y-o-n-i so yoni is what i'm assuming uh but that's called a yoni egg so basically you know it's a stone that's egg shaped right yeah uh that could be like a a jade or a, a quartz or whatever but uh basically it's a female product where women are sticking these inside themselves yeah um i'm assuming it does something uh particular um 
that's obviously more for for females. Uh, I I don't know. I haven't tested it out myself on me. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the first time I've heard about it too. So it's I was actually quite shocked because you know women do. There are other stones. Like if you walk into like. If you, if you have a girlfriend or a wife or whatever and you want to Ulta or Sephora or any of these fancy, you know, cosmetic shops, they have those uh, stone, those rolling stones that they can use on, like, their eyes. And, yeah, well, it's, uh, yeah, those, uh, those yeah. Uh, rollers. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. Like, they have, like, a jade roller or whatever that mm-hmm. you roll on your face and it's supposed to be, like, soothing and help with breakouts or, or whatever it's, it's yeah. for. So, I mean, they do have stuff that's tailored for uh, you. And, I mean, I can see how the idea of it being, you know, inserted could help. But uh, also just holding it, wouldn't that do the same effect that you're wanting the stone's properties to do? You would think, but I'm sure there was some woman out there that was feeling a little crafty and it helped with her stuff, I, I assume. I don't know. Yeah. Did you have anything more to talk about on the stones aspect, David? Um, not really. We still use them in in our uh, paranormal lives. Um, still um, utilizing them. Um, definitely, it's hard because we're recording this before Christmas, yeah. and people are listening to it obviously after Christmas, mm-hmm. but I did buy you a Christmas gift that involves stones. Ooh. So, definitely have to get an update after you open your Christmas gift. Yeah, when we record the next set of episodes, we'll definitely talk about the, the presents, because I definitely got you something. And it has to do with, one, with uh, something that you really like, so hopefully you like it. Well, we'll see. Um, but, so, yeah, looking forward... To, to that but really I mean stones are still stones nothing's really changed yeah just we've gotten more pieces mm. uh, there's really nothing I haven't been told about stones that I haven't already known yeah I mean you're doing the new thing now where you're imprinting your energy onto stones mm-hmm. yeah that's cool. a new thing that I've learned thanks to Tim Tim Behunen from the EVP podcast he taught me how to do that and he shed some light on some of my abilities that I have and it directly correlates with stones so he definitely answered a lot of questions that I definitely had so I do um, appreciate you Tim for that I mean I still have uh, in case you guys haven't checked it out yet uh, me and my wife's business uh, yes. Chaotic Crystal Co uh, that we started that we sell nightlights and other various small items not a big selection of stuff but you mm-hmm. know just stuff that I've made and we sell so I mean go definitely go check that out the stones um, are natural he just made everything else to make it work right so I mean there's that aspect of it um, and then just us uh, once uh, the weather gets nicer that we're gonna start hunting for our own stuff here in Utah yep once I buy my truck which I've talked about me selling my old truck and wanting to buy another a vehicle that actually has 4x4 capabilities and doesn't break your back when you go over bumps. Um, we definitely want to go uh, rock hounding because there's some stones over in the Wendover area we want to go when we want to go hunt for. Uh, we definitely want, need to replenish our selenite stock um, and then possibly we might be able to do a weekend down in southern Utah and get, hit up some of the um, areas down there and find some cool specimens that we can go dig out of the ground but yeah other than that everything's pretty much the same i mean if we ever get new pieces i'm sure we'll talk about new pieces and their properties and stuff like that um we can start at some point going through and just talking about a random stone on episodes i mean there's definitely abundance of them yeah i mean once we once we start wrapping up the equipment stuff where we don't have any equipment to talk about we can start talking about like the stone Right, so that's we would like to talk a about, very so. option because I mean stones are obviously a pretty important part of of our lives in this field, so it's always gonna be a topic yep. for us. But I mean, there's nothing like groundbreaking that we're talking about now. It's just those two big pieces. Yep. So I mean, I'm I'm good on that front. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely the stones that we talked about. We will post pictures of the stones that we have and everything. 
and also definitely check out Chaotic Crystal Co., which is David's business. He has some beautiful necklaces. Uh, his wife has made some beautiful hair clips out of, out of agate slices. He's also got those night lights that we definitely recommend checking out. Um, but if you didn't hear about it, didn't hear about it on the first episode, definitely tune into the first episode. But they are on Facebook and Instagram, and they also have an Etsy store. So just look up Chaotic Crystal Co. And Chaotic Crystal Co. is basically how it say how you say it. It's not with the K; it's actually with the C. Chaotic, and then Crystal, and then Co., and then period. It's the um, triple C's. Yeah. But yeah, because we thought the triple K would be weird. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> hey, everybody. The sponsor of today's episode is Anchor, the platform that we use at the BRB Podcast for our podcast. Anchor is an awesome web-based distribution-type platform, kind of like Spreaker and some of those other platforms out there that allows people to host their podcasts. But here's the caveat. There is no caveat. It's free. Free? Yeah, free. Unlike some of the other streaming platforms that we've used in the past, like Spreaker, they limit you on how many episodes you can upload. They limit you on how many demographics and charts and stuff like that that you want to see and see how your podcast is doing. So Anchor provides all that for free. You can upload. You can have as many episodes as you want for how long it needs to be. They give you all of the graphs and charts needed so that way you can keep track of your progress on how well you're doing for your podcast. And they also give you the option to help monetize your episodes as well by either giving you some sponsorships or you obtain some sponsorships. We definitely, definitely recommend checking out anchor for all of your podcast needs because us at brp podcast we are a self-funded podcast so the fact that we can use internet-based platform for free and they give us all the tools to make us successful is why we give them two thumbs up so we definitely recommend you check out anchor the link is in the description of this podcast we would love for you to check them out and let them know that we sent you over to them Thanks, Anchor. Well, yeah, ley lines and the connection to the adverse spiral phenomenon. Right. So are you familiar with ley lines? You just have a, you've heard of them? I've heard of them. I've heard there are ley lines that cross in the United States, yes. And I've heard that they do influence paranormal activity. Uh, sometimes it can be good, but most of the time it can be negative from my understanding. But what what do you know about ley lines? Well, so the connection to adverse spiritual phenomenon, right? Everything in existence has energy, right? Yeah. So some uh, physical energies, that's what we call electrical fields. Uh, some are living energies, you know, that's like our auras that humans have. And then some are spiritual, like ghosts, they have energies. And then the base thing is uh, earth-based uh, which energies, which is what we call ley lines. And so with uh, the increasing reports of hauntings and stuff uh, going on in locations um, are, that are close to these ley lines, uh, you know, there's some question into whether or not they have any uh, effect on it. So, you know, some people are asking, what is a ley line? Well... At first, it must be known that there's a distinction between what we call energy ley lines and then true ley lines. So energy ley lines are like wide beams of energy crises crossing our landscape. Uh, these ley lines are fractures or changes in the Earth's crust and are affected by the pull and gravity from the sun and moon. That's what results in uh, ley lines which uh, releasing water may change the nature and intensity of the earth energies so basically everything has uh, a type of energy based on like the rotation of the earth and the pull of the gravity between the moon and the sun they all create uh, an energy line that is essentially what's potentially pulling our earth in a rotation and yeah. we just some lines are just people are closer to some lines than others mm-hmm. and then you have you know the ancient ley lines are what people uh, build structures 
over these imaginary lines amplifies the energy in that area. Uh, I think the biggest example is Stonehenge, that Stonehenge is built on a center point where ley lines start and go into different directions around the earth. And if you've ever been to Stonehenge, which I would love to, to feel that energy, there's just tons of reports that come out of that for people uh, who are there that the energy there is phenomenal. So that's essentially uh, what I think the collective data of what ley lines that are accepted are. Okay. Um, but I'm sure you can get, uh, that's, I think that's the earth ley lines. So you can get spiritual ley lines that follow uh, a same code. I think pretty much anything that has a big moving water rivers are what can be considered spiritual ley lines because as we know water is a source of energy and spirits use moving water as a way of like traveling so anywhere that uh water uh is running can be can called a spiritual ley line yeah okay so i don't i don't know if that is something new to you or something that's uh interesting to hear if it makes sense I haven't really looked into that particular subject, so it's good to know that all of those aspects combined that with the ley line can definitely enhance and and um, enable paranormal activity to happen in a particular location along that ley line. Right. Well, because I've seen maps of uh, quote-unquote uh, Earth's ley lines, but they're very broad. I would like to see a close-up map of like certain cities and areas like geographical areas and see if there's a line running through that because it when you look from a pretty far broad you see a ley line going through utah but you're like yeah but what is it actually hitting you know because hmm. that could be the difference of uh, certain things that i've always tried to put into potential for why certain locations have high amounts of activity is because there's potential that a ley line is running through this area you know what i mean yeah because the biggest thing is because the from what I understood on ley lines, and it, I'm going to read this one particular paragraph, which coincides with what I know about ley lines, is also worth considering with the phenomenon that is, if a positive energy ley uh, hits a negative location, i.e. one that that is inhibited by a negative or a malevolent conscious entity or location that has witnessed high levels of torment and tragedy, it is possible for the energy field of that whole location to become negative. And that's what I've known about ley lines. So to learn that other, that the other aspect of ley lines definitely makes a lot of sense. Right. And you can imagine uh, places that are of uh, high um, earthquake areas, you know, where the tectonic plates are moving in more areas than others. Mm -hmm. uh, is potentially a correlation to higher spiritual uh, activity in areas that experience uh, tremors more frequently. Yeah, and another thing too, which will actually coincide with the case that we're going to talk about, hauntings are also said to occur at locations where underground veins of water or covered wells and rock strata are found and can distort the Earth's energy. For example, the inner Earth uh, vibrates at whatever hertz or whatever. But I find that to be a little coincidental when the case that we're going to be talking about actually has a well inside the right. house. Right, because that's what we considered a spiritual ley line mm -hmm. that, you know, is of the, the running of water and everything like that. Because water, you know, moves through random areas and pretty much any place that is considered that you've noticed it has hauntings, you'll find a, a random occurrence that there is water nearby yeah because more often than not the cases that we've done involving uh you know ghosts and stuff like that there has been a source of water nearby in some way or another yeah definitely so it's, a, it's an interesting connection that i've made over the years uh that if we actually count all the cases we've done that has uh water as a significant source nearby it's quite a big list yeah yeah, and with what I was saying, uh, energy lies on these negative sites that be then become what we call black streams, leading to the location feeling striking, uh, strikingly forebonding and unpleasant. Um, 
the effects of the situation that are said not to be caused by spirit, but the presence of an intense negative energy. So, with that being said, so it can be either positive or negative, and in fact, it even specifies here, not all haunting phenomena on energy uh, keys are of a spiritual nature. So that in itself leads me to believe that it's just a, a burst of energy through that particular ley line, even though it doesn't have to be paranormal, you know, like spiritual right. related. Well, here's also an interesting thing to think about. So if you picture a ley line running, right? Who? What's to say that that particular straight line going off doesn't have random other smaller ley lines branching off that one big strand ley line like tree branches on a tree true you know we don't have the we just have the concept of ley lines but we don't know that that one ley line can't branch other little ley lines like like lightning bolt pictures you know going mm-hmm. off and hitting other areas nearby and yeah. then they just call those bursts of energy that are hitting that area at that time mm-hmm. Which we would consider like a, a raging river, a burst of energy. We yeah. would consider um, an earthquake a burst, a burst of energy. A uh, volcano eruption is also a burst of energy as well. So, yeah, ley lines have always been close to my mind, but it's just been hard to uh, have them correlate with any of the stuff we've done in our mm-hmm. research just yeah. because I don't have a good descriptive map of the ley lines running through you know, the Utah, Idaho area yeah. to do a connection of like a location we're going to. All right. What's the nearest ley line to that location, you know, and branching off from that. If there's anything running off that ley line, because there is no maps that I can find based internet search that has those close up descriptive, you know, images that I'm looking for. Yeah. Which I want to read this off. Cause I find this very, very, very interesting. As explained, lay energy is thought to produce vibrations on such a low frequency that, although inaudible to the human ear, can still alter our our perceptions. It can create headaches, nausea, dizziness, which you would get if you're around high amounts of EMF if you're sensitive to it. Uh, weird tingling sensations on our skin, like if you were next to a present. Uh, not present, uh, presence. All these are the physical char- characteristics, uh, physical of a supposed presence of a spirit. So the fact that the energy from ley lines is basically the same thing that you would feel if you were standing right next to a spirit or a spirit's interacting with you, which I have felt all of that before. And in fact, I've known people that are sensitive to high energy, high EMF, and they, they experience that the headaches, the nausea, the dizziness, and stuff like that. And it doesn't have to be uh, natural. It can be artificial as well. So, for example, um, the Ellen Eccles Theater here in Logan has a pretty big uh, generator room that has all the electrical panels in there. And typically, high EMF does not affect me, but it definitely affected me there for how high the EMF was. I was definitely feeling a little dizzy. I was definitely getting an upset stomach and feeling nausea, uh, nausea and stuff like that until I walked out of that room and got some fresh air and I went back to normal. So energy can affect people in different ways, but I find it so ironic that the what you feel from a ley line is directly correlated to what you would feel if you were communicating with a spirit. Yeah, so there's just another thing to think about when you're feeling that way. It's like, well, it could be all this high EMF because of this, or it could be because of the internet that I have. It could be a spirit, or it could be a potential, you know, physical representation of the earth, be it the ley line that is making you feel this way. So there's lots of different possibilities to look at when experiencing these type of feelings that you're getting that not everything is paranormal, you know? Yeah. And even with the ley lines, uh, spirits that resonate at the new frequency will recognize a familiarity in the energy signature and, and in fact, then drawn to it. So spirits can actually change the frequency that they, that they want to resonate with and then they can resonate with ley lines, which I thought was very, very interesting because I didn't know that spirits can change frequencies. 
yeah so i mean that's that's the basics of uh of ley lines uh, if yeah. there's anything more in the future that we've come across or do more research on we'll definitely let you guys know but that is basically uh what the simplest way to, to tell you what a ley line is oh yeah oh yeah definitely I have learned a lot more on this episode in regards to ley line than I have prior to this episode. So it's a, it was definitely a good topic that you picked, David. Tinks. So the equipment, which is the equipment that we want to talk about today, is the original SLS and obviously the homemade off-brand SLSs as well. Now, David... He actually has the OG SLS. Prior to David getting the SLS, we actually built our own, which wasn't really too hard. It was just a couple of programs, a laptop, and one of the first-generation Xbox 360 Kinect cameras. Um, the one that actually has a USB on it, not the, uh, not the newer editions that don't have the USB. It has to be the one with the USB port on it. And I thought it worked pretty well when we did the homemade version. Then David dropped a pretty coin on the one that he bought. And I'll have them explain in detail exactly what the SLS does. And we'll go from there. Yeah, so SLS stands for uh, Structure Light Sensor Camera. Uh, and basically what you got from it is... Uh, it's if you've seen what a connect system looks like it's basically the same thing you know you got uh, a bar in front of it that's got a bunch of different types of cameras and stuff and sensors for it and then you have it mounted uh, on this flat platform and then on that you have like a ipad or a tablet of some sort and then basically so that's your whole thing right there it's your camera you have a little mount for your hand to, to hold it up and what this is doing is this camera is shooting out uh, thousands of little dots and you can't see it with your own eyes uh, in an IR spectrum you can like the night vision camera you can see it but there's thousands of little dots and essentially if something breaks that fill the dot it will start mapping it in a structured uh, you know straight line form from one dot to the other dot and so if you have a person standing in front of it it will start registering that this is the outline of it is a person so it'll start mapping the dots uh, in a skeletal structure uh, for the human in, in front of the camera. Which is actually, I just want to inject real quick, yeah. David. Um, <clears throat> when you actually look at it, so if you look at a physical person standing in front of an SLS, you can still see the outline of that physical person, but the right. actual structure is a stick figure. But the spirit, we don't see that. All we see is a stick figure coming onto the screen. And with the infrared, which was actually pretty cool, I experienced this when we first built the the uh, the homemade one, was I got my full spectrum camera, which had the infrared on it, infrared light with it, um, and what you see is basically a square, and it's got thousands of dots, and basically it's the same concept when Xbox created it. Uh, for their for their system to be able to use some of the games where it actually uses the connect which I thought was pretty cool but anyway go ahead David yeah so it does that um, and then like you said when uh, the idea is that uh, of a spirit because it doesn't have an actual body uh, it can still potentially break that uh, sensor field uh, so it has enough mass to obviously get enough that the camera will start recognizing that something is in front of this dot that because what it is is the other dots are hitting a wall right so it has a depth perception and if something walks in front of that it's breaking that field of depth perception behind it where it normally has been hitting and it'll start recognizing that something is there and it'll start trying to map it out based on what is breaking the field of dots though so, but it's because we can't see the dots that doesn't mean they're not there so that's the same with the idea of spirits so i've definitely come across with that it is a useful tool but now you gotta be careful when using it because it will try to map stuff that's a real thing you know like mm -hmm. a chair for instance or like a doorway just because it's a it's that depth perception so it'll try mapping something out 
has a stick figure on a door, but that doesn't mean it's an actual spirit. So you have to kind of understand how it works and know when to say, I don't think this is a spirit versus it's just an object. But you'll get times when you're in the middle of an open area that there's no objects to really interfere and you'll still get a skeletal figure pop up. That's like a little more on the questionable side of that might be something. So yeah. it's a very been a useful tool. I honestly haven't used it in such a long time, honestly, because we have so much other stuff that we use and sometimes to use the SLS can be quite daunting because there's a lot of things we have to do programming wise to get it to be uh, viewable on our feeds just because of the process of it. Um, so I haven't used it in, I want to say a couple of years. No, you, you used it last year. I remember you using it last year. Um, but that doesn't negate the issue that it is a cumbersome piece of equipment, even though it's it's small and modular that you can carry around with it. It definitely takes some time to use it and everything. And right. let's not talk about some of the issues that you've experienced with that machine. And you actually had to send it off to the creator to get it fixed at one point in time. And yeah, had well, to pay I... to get it fixed as well. Yeah, it had a thing where uh, it crashed. Uh, so I have it running in the program. And then at some point it'll stop. Um, recording uh, the actual screen screenshot capture will stop as well then at some point it'll actually uh, just freeze all together and then kick you out and not work it and then I had the other issues of where uh, even though it's off and you're not using it it'll still drain your batteries to the point where if it drains too much it'll kill it and you can't turn it back on no matter how much you charge it it's a real bitch of an issue yeah in fact uh, was it Eureka, or was it Tonopah where I was playing with it and I finally got it to charge? Uh, it definitely was not Tonopah. So it was the Eureka then? Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember fumbling with it, messing with it, and then having to do some Google searching to figure out how to get it to, to start charging it, and then it started charging. So it's definitely a little cumbersome. So yeah, it, it definitely got its issues because um, it's through digital dowsing actual product and that so I mean if there's a problem with it you definitely have to they have to fix it because they have so much set up into it that you can't fix it yourself um, but I haven't had too much experiences with uh, the newer ones that people are making themselves yeah but I think there are some improvements in what people are doing yeah yeah there last I checked there was a group down in Australia that made one there's a few here in the U United States that makes one I think there's a few over uh, in Europe that also make them as well um, obviously they're the off brand of it like some of the other cheaper. equipment that you can buy yeah and it's also cheaper there there too because like digital dowsing wants like anywhere between 1200 to $1500 for an SLS or you can go buy one of these off brand ones or you can potentially build your, your own for three four hundred dollars or less but that's typically the price point where you can buy some of these off-brand ones which i like the packaging of them like i like the fact that david's is modular but i like the fact that um some of these other people are using like horseshoe mounts uh and using that for the for their sls and, and everything like that and i think it's a pretty cool concept to be honest with you um, I definitely want to see you use it a little bit more, David, because I think some of these investigations, it would have been good to have it there, like uh, like that last case on the last episode in Montpelier. I think that would have been a good location to have it at. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's just we have so much and we used so much and so much going on at the time. It's just one of those things that it doesn't get your mind yet, you know? Like, yeah. I think it's I think... one of those that if we're, like, stretching to get evidence, we'll bust yeah. it out. Or we can possibly train a couple of our investigators to learn how to use it too, so one of them could be carrying it around while we're doing the other things, you know what I mean? So then that could be something else that could be counted for as evidence if we do catch anything. Because I'm sure if Alex or Rebecca or some of our other investigators wouldn't mind probably using it because they probably never used one before. So I think that would be a good training course for them to teach them how to use it. Right. But yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's definitely yeah. one of those things that people definitely would like to get, and I liked getting it. Yeah, but there is definitely a lot of uh, things that go with uh, getting it. Yeah, 
I do want to make mention though, would you would you say that the SLS is basically the digital version of a traditional laser grid? Uh yeah, a laser grid that you can't see, but yeah. Essentially, cuz cuz besides the other piece of equipment that you do have which we'll talk on another episode, you know, if you set up a laser grid, you know, it's basically the same concept where you sit, you set up a camera and you watch and see if something breaks the plane, only the SLS is more of the digital style of it, so that way it's guaranteed that you're able to pick something up, and plus it constantly runs, unlike most laser grids out on the market that only last like half an hour, 45 minutes on one go. But that new piece of equipment that you've gotten that is a laser grid that also has a screen on it, which we'll talk on another episode, I think that's a good buffer zone between the traditional laser grid and the SLS. I think that's a good middle piece. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah, we definitely recommend the SLS. I mean, if you want to drop 1200 to $1,500 on a, on the original SLS, I mean, you're, you're more than welcome to do so, but I definitely recommend checking out other options as well because you know if something that's 350 400 works just as good as something that's 1500 which one are you gonna buy it's right. ultimately up to you but yeah we definitely recommend you checking it out uh i do know a lot of other groups use it and some famous groups on tv also use it as well but it's it's a it's a very good piece of equipment now the case that we want to talk about today um, is a residential out in Thatcher, Utah. Now, earlier in the episode, we talked about how this particular case also had a well inside the house. Now, let's bring in some context here. The house itself was built back in the 1800s when Thatcher was first settled. Uh, at one point in time, it was a firehouse and a few other things, and then it became a residential uh, house. Um, over time, they've expanded, but at one point in time, their well was sitting out in front of the house, but since then, it has been built over the well. So now the well is physically inside the house, and in fact, it's actually sitting underneath their kitchen, where their, where their kitchen table is. The activity at this location was pretty good. I mean, we were setting up equipment and equipment was already going off right off the get-go so we knew we were gonna have a really fun night um david what were your thoughts on that particular investigation well the biggest thing that really stands out to me is this is like one of the one locations that we've had where for once in the longest time there was nothing negative there Agreed. i think that was the biggest thing that uh was quite refreshing honestly mm where we didn't have to do a cleanse at the end um we figured out what was there figured you know help the homeowners realize that you know this is still your space but you just kind of are living with it if you want to and they just have yep. to do what you tell them to do oh, yeah. and they have to abide by that and the homeowners were cool with that they were on par with uh, the idea of sage and everything so they're copacetic in that front mm-hmm. so convincing them of doing cleansing things like that on their own was really easy yeah, and then we actually got some good clarity uh, with uh, the homeowner wanting to, you know, figure out uh, with some family members and able to get that communication gone through, and was really uh, nice to get what that—that's what they wanted. Yeah, yeah, because that whole entire vest- investigation was definitely positive. I mean, it's it's a breath of freaking fresh air when we get a case where it's nothing malicious, nothing malevolent. You know, it's basically the homeowner just wants confirmation of the stuff that's going on in their house and that's exactly what we gave them we gave them confirmation um the spirits were very very playful they were talkative and i really had no ill will towards us or the owners of the house now the clients actually came from the east coast so moving from a a very robust and busy life on the east coast to a small town you know settled by mormons basically the whole town's run by mormons but they've embraced them as their own even though they're not mormon which was actually quite quite surprising and very very loving at the same time um awesome couple that we talked to and they're older their their children are are grown and and moved on and you know they're retired and everything like that 
uh, <clears throat> and some of the stories that they told us about what they've experienced, you know, in their lifetime, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. But the the house itself, it's like it's like walking into like an old log cabin up in the mountains. Like they cook on, they have an old uh, wood burning stove. They cook on cast iron and cast iron only. They have a pretty decent uh, size uh, property there. And the energy is just very, very loving. It was very inviting. It was it was one of the funnest investigations I've ever done. Due to the fact that it just there was just no malevolent forces there, you know? But right. the biggest thing that stood out to me about this investigation was the fact that they built over the well. And the well is basically a, 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 an energy source for those spirits. And in fact, I was underneath the table with my pendulum and my pendulum was going in a clockwise motion and while that was happening i had my mel meter right next to me with the rem function and that was turned on and that thing was just going ham you know throughout the night we you know we checked out the the back area we were in the in the kitchen area we were in the living room and we were just getting activity basically everywhere uh, so I decided to try something new on that investigation. We set up a couple of candles on the kitchen table right above where the well was um, and tried to set up a yes or no thing. It ended up not working at that particular location, which is fine. Uh, but with the amount of evidence that we got doing the blind spirit box test with the SB7 and the FX 2.0, uh, we got some pretty, pretty good intelligent answers, uh, children, voices. Also, I don't even know what, what's going on with Box Elder County, but every time we do an investigation in Box Elder County, at one point in time in the night, we get random ass piano music. Mm, I don't understand right. that. Because we did another residential in Brigham City, and around, I would say around the same time of night, we started getting piano music as well, so I don't know. It's kind of weird. Right. Well, the biggest thing that we got from that, uh, my experience, was uh, the door knock. Yeah, that was You weird. know, we uh, were talking, uh, we're, you two were in the bedroom, you and Rebecca, and I was like in the hallway by, right by the door. And we're talking to, you know, some spirits and all that. And we just talk about, uh, you know, potential that, you know, non-native land and there's natives outside. Um, and we're like, are there natives outside? And we just hear a knock on the door and I just turn and look to where the door is because the door is like straight ahead down the hall from me and I can see it and there's a little window to the left of it and I can just see a shadow like a person is out there and then you hear another knock that was even louder that we caught you know on audio and I was just like oh my god there's a knock at the door and you know there's no one outside but just the fact that we caught that uh, was really I think the highlight of my night yeah out there yeah and then you know families we got families like five kids it was just crazy how they were all just like coming and going in that area oh yeah oh yeah well and it's such a such a close-knit area and the fact that these spirits were just nothing but nice and kind and playful and actually want to communicate and everything it's it's it was an awesome investigation you know there was only three of us there i wish the rest of the team was there to experience the same thing but you know it's been it, it's been a good investigation nonetheless for that location and I wish we can get a few more of those you know right but with the way that the world is going everything just keeps on getting darker and darker so whenever we do get cases like this it's like a breath of fresh air and a freaking hallelujah you know yeah it's really nice that was definitely a refresher yeah especially for me because I've literally got off work and headed up there so i was dead ass tired so i I don't think i had the energy to deal with anything negative yeah yeah david unfortunately had to work all day on saturday which really sucks because we were looking forward to having him join us for dinner and everything so his energy level was a little low that night however the client had some really good dark chocolate that he provided us which was the bomb.com true but yeah overall it was definitely a really good investigation. The clients were happy with the amount of evidence that we captured, and they definitely had a lot of positive and enlightening things to say about me and my team. So it's a, it's always good to hear these kind of things. But that should be it for me. Any last words, David? No. All right. 
Well, we thank you so much for tuning in to us. The next episode that we have on the docket is uh, we actually will have a guest with us. What? I know. If you remember back in the tail end of season one, we interviewed a wonderful gentleman named John who put on a quite fabulously presented uh, convention for paranormal here in Logan, Utah. <gasps> what? Logan, Utah? Yeah. And it was actually what is quite Logan? successful. Never heard of it. Well, I know, right? If you've ever heard of Utah State Aggies, which you probably haven't, that's where it, it was at. Or if you've heard of no- Napoleon Dynamite, it was about 30 minutes south of that area. But it was, uh, it was a good convention, and we're going to bring John on, and we're going to talk about the convention, how everything went, his thoughts on it. We'll give our perspectives on it. We'll talk about our experiences there. You know, we had a, a lot of positive experience. We unfortunately experienced some negative things from it as well, but uh, we'll talk about it on that episode. But we thank you so much for tuning in to us on this wonderful Monday or whatever day you're listening to us on. But we hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. You are listening to the Bear River Paranormal Podcast, BRP Podcast. If you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting, please send us an email, text, or call. You can find all of our information at www.bearriverparanormal.com. We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook at BRP Podcast. If you are interested in sponsoring us, or if you like your products featured on the show, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your day.